Hello and welcome to Unproduced and Unadapted. Have you ever watched a movie and thought, I wish that character got more screen time? Or maybe that character's backstory is way more interesting than our heroes? Or even, my god, they didn't include my favourite character from the book. Well, you've come to the right place. We're here to talk about the sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations they should have made. We're talking sidekicks tragically overlooked, villains done wrong, background characters that stole the show, and characters missing from adaptations. We also discuss all those books that haven't been adapted, and all those movies that set up the sequel, and then we never got it. Each episode we'll discuss a different movie and character or set of characters, and explain why we think they should be the star of their own show. We talk potential storylines, dream casting, and pitch our own missing movie, TV show, or comic book. This goes without saying, given we're talking about movies, but just in case. Spoilers from the outset, for this and every episode. On this episode, we will be talking about the Marauders from Harry Potter, Messrs Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs, who created the Marauders map, were in the original Order of the Phoenix, and generally played very important parts within the Harry Potter world. So sit back, and enjoy my ramblings about the missing Marauders spin-off. So one thing I want to say straight away is I know there's a lot of fandom out there surrounding these characters, and I'm not an expert. I've read the books and I've watched the movies a bunch of times, but that's it. I know others out there will know a lot more than me, and will have read everything out there and will know all the wizarding lore. I also know that there's a lot of people out there who definitely don't want to see a Marauder spin-off. I get that viewpoint, and I'll touch on it a little later, and we'll offer some alternatives that we may explore in the future. And, before we get going, I'm just going to avoid all things JK Rowling. She's obviously an integral part of this world, but we can discuss the characters without discussing her and her views, or people's views of her and her views. I'm trying to keep this fun. Right. Now that's out of the way, let's get into it. This isn't like my previous episodes. I'm not going to run through the basics of a movie and list the actors, the director, and box office info. Instead, we're going to start with a rundown of the basics for the four main characters of our proposed spin-off, and detail when we've seen them and who played them in the movies, and then we'll get into the main event, the proposed spin-off. So, who are the Marauders? Well, they are James Potter, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew. Now, it's quite hard not to list how each of those guys relates to Harry Potter, be it his dad or godfather or teacher or whatever. I don't really want to do that, as this is not a Harry Potter spin-off. I don't want Harry to be a constant feature. He shouldn't even be mentioned because he doesn't exist yet at this point, which is actually quite nice. It's like Skywalker being a constant thing in the Star Wars galaxy. I get why the creators feel they have to constantly link everything back to him, but I want them to move on and explore other people. Anyway, that's a whole other thing for a whole other show. Right, let's jump straight into a brief history of the Marauders, where I think it would help with context for those listening who may not be fully immersed in this world, I will touch on details like how the characters relate to Harry. James, Sirius, Remus and Peter attended Hogwarts from 1971 to 1978. Their Hogwarts lives started just like all the other students. They were on the Hogwarts Express and then they were sorted into houses, or house given that they were all put in Gryffindor, alongside Lily Evans, who would become Harry's mum. They meet Severus and pretty much instantly dislike him more so when he's put in Slytherin. Late in their first year, James, Sirius and Peter realise that Remus is a werewolf. It's not entirely clear how they work this out, but the fact that Remus is always off saying he's visiting his sick mother, and he's looking rather ill himself, and then something to do with the Whomping Willow, that way too dangerous tree that was planted when they first arrived at Hogwarts, I assume they followed him or realised his leaving always coincided with the full moon or something like that. Anyway, the boys decide to help Remus by learning how to become animagi, wizards who can turn themselves into animals. 
The thought is that they can then be with him when he turns into a werewolf. At this point, they also start referring to themselves as marauders, and as a group, they develop a great hatred for Severus and bully him somewhat mercilessly. Honestly, they're kind of horrible. From the flashbacks we see, James comes across as a bully, a very unlikable character. In the books, Lily describes him as an arrogant toe rag who bullied and hexed lots of the students. Kids generally are horrible to one another, but it does appear that James and Sirius were, for want of better words, contemptible dicks. We'll come back to this a bit later as a potential storyline in our spin-off. It's always good to see characters develop over time, and in this case, hopefully, from bullies to those fighting for others. Around their fourth and fifth years at Hogwarts, the Marauders finally master becoming Animagi, and they get their nicknames that we eventually see on the map. James becomes Prongs the Stag, Sirius becomes Padfoot the Dog, and Peter becomes Wormtail the Rat. And of course, Remus is nicknamed Mooney because of the effect the moon has on him. To help them sneak out of the castle, they start to map all of the secret entrances and the passageways that they find when they're animals or when James is under his invisibility cloak, the one that Harry eventually uses. Now, I've always had a lot of questions about this map because it seems like very powerful magic. The fact that the map can show you in real time where everyone is and name them is bonkers. Where does it get all the names from? Is there some kind of Hogwarts magical SQL database somewhere it can access? Does it show everyone? It shows students and staff and ghosts. So would it show muggles? Does it show the trolls or anyone in the movies when there's the big battle of Hogwarts? It seems like an incredibly useful tool made using some very, very advanced magic. We know the Marauders are intelligent students and can master advanced magic if they've taught themselves to be Animagi, but I always felt like the map was way too advanced for them. And then it's confiscated by Filch, a man with little to no magical ability, and they never retrieve it? It just sits there in a drawer marked confiscated and highly dangerous for 15 years until the Weasley twins find it. That's all... convenient. But that's fine. It's a fun story that, in theory, we could flesh out in this proposed spin-off. Alongside the making of the map, Sirius decides to leave home as his family are becoming increasingly fanatical and are obsessed with pure blood supremacy. It's very Nazi-esque. And their bullying of Snape just increases. It reaches a very dangerous point where Sirius pranks, and I'm putting air quotes around pranks there, Severus into following Remus when they're leaving Hogwarts to become a werewolf. James realises that this could all end quite badly, so he stops Severus, Severus undoubtedly hates the fact that he now owes James, and James hates the relationship that Severus has with Lily, who he has fallen for. It's your typical teenage wizard relationship triangle. We've all had them. Things reach a crescendo between the three of them, James, Lily and Severus, when James is severely bullying Severus. Lily calls James out on his bullying and attempts to stop it. But Severus reacts and calls her a mudblood, likely in an attempt to save face. Severus then loses Lily, and so does James, which just makes them hate each other more. At some point, when James and Sirius are out of Hogwarts at summer and can legally do magic, they have their first real run-in with the Death Eaters. At first, they're stopped for speeding by Muggle police, but then Voldemort supporters get involved and there's flying cars and probably killing curses thrown about. I think this would be a major point for our Marauders spin-off. It's likely after this encounter that James finally realises he has to grow up and he has to change his ways and stop being a bully and kind of a dick. Eventually he and Lily get together. Is this change purely to get with Lily, or is it because of Voldemort's rise to power is looking more unstoppable, and because of his close encounter with the Death Eaters? 
and because most students probably feel the need to grow up faster to contend with this new, darker world. It's probably a mix of all of the above. Soon after, the group leave Hogwarts and join the Order of the Phoenix full-time. That's the secret group led by Dumbledore in the struggle against the Dark Lord Voldemort, and fight in what becomes known as the First Wizarding War. Now, I'm tempted to stop there, because what happens after this point? Lily and James having a baby that becomes Harry, Peter betraying them, Lily and James dying, Sirius being sent off to Azkaban, and on and on and on, is covered pretty well in the movies. I don't want our Marauder spin-off to go that far down that storyline. We want to stick to the time at Hogwarts, and maybe the first year or so when they're in the Order. So I think that's the history of the Marauders and the timeline that I think our spin-off should focus on. In the books, the Marauders are first mentioned in The Prisoner of Azkaban, in chapter 10, when Fred and George give Harry the Marauders map. Page 144, if you're checking on me. And then again in chapters 17 and 18 in The Shrieking Shack by Lupin. The next time is in The Order of the Phoenix, when Harry enters Snape's memory in chapter 28, and again as he discusses the incident with Lupin and Sirius in Umbridge's fire in chapter 29. They were briefly mentioned in The Half-Blood Prince in chapter 16 when Harry asks Lupin about the Levicorpus spell and The Half-Blood Prince. The last time is in The Deathly Hallows in chapter 33 when we see Snape's memories in the pensive again. In the movies, we see the young marauders in a flashback scene in The Prisoner of Azkaban and The Order of the Phoenix. And I think that's it. We get three quarters of them in The Prisoner of Azkaban and then we see the marauders all together minus Peter but joined by Lily in the Forbidden Forest at the end of the Deathly Hallows, when they're all reunited by the Resurrection Stone, and they help Harry find the courage he needs to make the ultimate sacrifice. In the movie adaptation of Prisoner of Azkaban, the Marauders are there, but the story of them being the Marauders is kinda left to the audience to figure out. It all becomes a lot clearer in the later movies, but Remus's story is absent, and so is most of the story of the making of the map, and the fact that they're animagi, or how Sirius got out of Azkaban, or why Crookshanks is after Scabbers, and a whole bunch of other details. This is probably why a lot of people have always wanted a Marauder spin-off, because we simply didn't get most of their story in the movies. As for casting, in the movies we have Remus Lupin, played by David Thewlis and James Utechin, Peter Pettigrew, played by Timothy Spall and Charles Hughes, Sirius Black, played by Gary Oldman and James Walters, and James Potter, played by Adrian Rawlins and Robbie Jarvis. Okay, I think that's enough background and character info. Let's get on to our potential sequel, prequel, or spin-off ideas. What would we like to see? Who would we recast? Who do we want to direct and write? And are we talking about a movie, a TV show, comic or anime? Now, there's a lot of Harry Potter lore and history and side stories to go around. We could easily get bogged down with it and try to squeeze too much into this show. I think the best plan is to limit the scope of our potential spin-off to just the Marauders. So just the stories that relate to our main characters. There's still a lot to explore so we're not really limiting ourselves, and we can always have more spin-offs. Honestly, it amazes me that Warner Brothers hasn't built some kind of big Harry Potter TV universe, like what Disney is doing with Marvel and Star Wars, and what HBO, which is owned by Warner Brothers, is trying to do with Game of Thrones. That is what I want. That is what a lot of people want. I want multiple shows, different timelines, old characters, new characters, actors we know, and then new young actors. I want them to flesh out this world and build something that builds upon the movies. It would be a hell of a challenge, but the payoff would be immense. Obviously, they have tried this with the Fantastic Beasts movies, but I think they made a mistake by trying to shoehorn Newt Scamander into the sequels. Even the names became ridiculous, with the sequels, with Fantastic Beasts, 
stuck onto the crimes of Grindelwald and the secrets of Dumbledore in tiny little writing on the posters. It just didn't make sense. They should have just separated the movies, have Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, which made sense because it's based on a book within the Harry Potter world. And in that, we're introduced to Grindelwald and Credence and the others. And then just have separate movies that focus on Grindelwald and Dumbledore and then The Wizarding War. People aren't stupid. We know all of these movies are in this Harry Potter Wizarding World universe. You don't have to stick Fantastic Beasts on the front of every poster. I always wanted the Fantastic Beast movies to stick with Newt Scamander and kind of go down an Indiana Jones style, Brendan Fraser the Mummy style adventure movie series. Newt travelling around the world with different sidekicks, looking for different magical creatures. So a different story, a different location, different creatures each time. I think that would have been fun. Have the Wizarding War in the background, but don't have Newt get directly involved. And then have separate movies or a series focused on the Wizarding War. The Fantastic Beast movies are fine. I like some of the things they tried to do, but they fell flat in a lot of areas for me. And they had a lot of production issues with cast controversies and the like. The consensus out there seems to be that the waning fan support for these movies is indicative of the waning support for the wider universe and that people dislike Harry and everything related to it. But I don't see it like that. I just don't think people like these movies because they weren't very good movies. I think the spark and the joy that the Harry Potter world brings to people can be reclaimed and I honestly think TV is the way to do that. I really want a good Wizarding World TV show. I want a few seasons to really flesh out the story and characters, not just one movie. I want a big budget HBO level quality show. We know they can do this. Look at Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons, Westworld. Add all the shows like Deadwood, Rome, Boardwalk Empire and True Blood. And the scale of those shows is massive and the quality and the production is just beyond reproach. And Disney have shown you can create scale and tell large stories without having to build massive sets or shoot on locations like what Game of Thrones does by using what is known as a volume. It's effectively a big virtual production stage full of LED walls that let you project environments that adapt as your cameras and actors move. It allows you to create scale and more accurate lighting when compared to more traditional green screen and to some extent it keeps costs down as you don't have to transport people and equipment everywhere. The technology was made famous, sort of, by the Mandalorian and has subsequently been used on the Batman, Our Flag Means Death, Thor Love and Thunder, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series, the Black Adam movie. It's not perfect, but I think virtual production could be a great way to create a large wizarding world and create these big environments without having to fly the cast and crew to various castles around the UK or build a full-scale Diagon Alley set. Though I'd kind of love that, obviously. Anyway, that's just a suggestion for you there, Warner Brothers. So what would be the plot of our Marauders TV show? Well, we already know the basics. We know the main story points. We've just gone over them. Remus's early days, learning to be Animagi, making of the map, Lily and James, and the beginning of the Order and the encroaching war. The fun part is writing the bits in between those major storylines. These characters are school kids, so we want them to have fun and just be kids. We could see Hogwarts just as a school, not under threat like in the later Harry Potter movies. I love the bits in the movies where they're just in class. The potions class with Slughorn, where Harry wins some Felix Felicis, for example, was just a fun scene. Or the Boggart class that Remus teaches in Prisoner of Azkaban. I want more of that. I want to see Hogwarts as a school. In the books, the Marauders are said to be almost infamous during their time at school for all of their pranks and self-appointed rock star status. James is a hero on the Quidditch pitch. He's a pure blood from an incredibly rich family. Sirius is the handsome rebel, son of one of the most powerful pure blood families. 
His parents are abusive and flat-out racist, though. Remus is the brainy one trying to keep them all in check. He's kinder and more introverted than the others. And then we have Peter, who took on a kind of supporting role for them. He's mostly a coward who relies on the others. It would also be interesting to see these characters develop. As I've said, they're kind of described as being dicks. Everyone likes a rule breaker, but they're just bullies at times. The appeal of these characters is their friendship and their development. James and the others seem to take pleasure in bullying Snape, probably because he was in Slytherin and looked a bit nerdy. The feelings both James and Snape had for Lily undoubtedly played a part too, but there must have been more to their hatred of each other. As they grew older and Voldemort started to rise to power, Snape began getting involved in the dark arts. We know from the Half-Blood Prince that Snape was creating dark magic spells and was capable of defending himself, so he can't have been the constant victim he saw himself as. It would be interesting to see more of Lily and Snape's friendship too. It ended abruptly when he called her a mudblood when she tried to defend him against James. That was the final straw for Lily. But what happened before that? What were the other problems in their relationship? It would be great to see this from Lily's perspective too, not just Snape's. And their relationship ending undoubtedly pushed Snape even further toward the dark arts. It would be great to get a a lot more Snape time in this show actually. We could focus on Sirius's home life too, and the generally horrible racist black family, and how he ends up running away from home and living with James. And we could show how James changes from being a bullying dick to becoming a nice guy by the end of his time at school. What changes him? Was it just growing up? Was it Lily? Was it the encroaching war? Was it all of the above? And what happened to Peter? Why and how did he betray them? How was he persuaded to? We could explore that and we could see Voldemort in this show, gaining power and recruiting people. I'd want him to be a small part though, an overarching threat in the background. I really don't want him to feature too much in this, and I'll explain why a bit later. It would be fun to see the Marauders venture out into the real world at times too, and that world would be the 70s. I think you could have a lot of fun with that. It's a great aesthetic to play with. The Harry Potter books are set in the 90s, but the movies don't really feel like that. I don't actually think they are set in the 90s. It would be good to really lean into the 70s setting though. Their clothes, their cars, their big beige technology. It would help to fully set this series in the past. It's kind of difficult to work out a time setting in the wizarding world because it's so weird, basically. No one has an iPhone or a car or anything, so they can't really tell if you're in 1922 or 2022. We could also see lots of other characters too. We could see Draco Malfoy's parents, Lucius and Narcissa. We could see Bellatrix Lestrange and the Longbottoms. There's a character called Patricia Raypick, who was a bit of a rule breaker like the Marauders and knew about the map. We could see her in this show. There's also Dorcas, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Dorcas Meadows, who is a friend of Lily's and who is personally hunted down by Voldemort as she was such a threat to him that he had to find her and kill her rather than send his Death Eaters. I kind of want to know more about her. I think three seasons would be more than enough for this show. Skip the first few years they're at school, maybe have flashbacks or something, and maybe start in their fifth year. We'd then have 16-year-olds and the storylines can be a bit more grown up. We kind of need it to be like Riverdale. We can't have them to be too young because we want them to explore relationships and have them do pretty dangerous things. And we can have season two and three have the first Wizarding War be building in the background and impact their lives more and then roll straight into their graduation, them joining the Order of the Phoenix, and the fateful Halloween 1981, when Lily and James are killed. So we can't talk about the Marauders without talking about All the Young Dudes by Ms. King Bean 89, or Taylor Swift if you're a certain part of the internet. It's a 500,000 word, 188 chapter fanfic about the Marauders, It's hugely popular. 
like hugely popular, millions of reads and billions of TikTok views. It's the story of the Marauder's time at Hogwarts from Remus's perspective. And it's, it's really good. A lot of Harry Potter fans now take all the young dudes to be canon. It's kind of complicated. There's a lot of hate for J.K. Rowling around her making Remus straight. Now, honestly, I missed this when I was a kid and I read the books. Probably because I was an idiot. But it seems most people read Remus as being gay. Rereading the books, it is there. It's subtle, but it's there. Apparently even Alfonso Cuaron, director of The Prisoner of Azkaban, told Thulis that Remus was gay and told him to portray the character that way. But then the movies end with Remus in a relationship with Tonks, and that pissed off a lot of people. So All the Young Dudes addresses this and gives us so much background and history for the Marauders. It really is very good. The story gives us a lot of info. It starts with when Remus was bitten by Fenrir Greyback at the age of five, soon after his father commits suicide and his mother places Remus in St Edmund's, a children's home for boys. At St Edmund's, Remus is looked after by Matron, who locks him up during the full moon to keep him from hurting any of the other boys. As Remus comes of age, and like what we see in the movies with Voldemort, Dumbledore visits St Edmund's to give Remus his acceptance letter to Hogwarts and explains his plan to keep Remus's werewolf situation hidden by allowing him to use a secret tunnel leading to the Shrieking Shack, where he can transform in secret and be safe. In the summer of 1975, Remus realises that he is gay, after Grant Chapman, his new roommate, kisses him. Upon returning to Hogwarts, he realises that he has a crush on Sirius. Remus eventually kisses Sirius on his birthday, and in their sixth year, the two become kind of an unofficial couple, and Remus helps Sirius discover his sexuality. Remus comes out to the rest of the friends on a camping trip in Cornwall, and later Sirius tells them that he and Remus are a couple. The group eventually joins the Order of the Phoenix and helps fight the Wizarding War. Remus joins a wolf pack to gain information for the Order, and then we get the bits we all know. Sirius being sent to Azkaban because he is falsely accused of killing James and Lily, and Peter, and all of the others, and Peter actually still being alive. We then get a lot more info on how Remus deals with all of this, He's told Sirius has betrayed him and killed his friends and so he obviously shuts himself off from everyone and eventually gets back together with Grant Chapman. In the book we meet a few characters who are only briefly mentioned in that actual Harry Potter books, Mary MacDonald and Marlene McKinnon. Madame Pomfrey also gets more play as she is one of the few at Hogwarts who knows about Remus being a werewolf and becomes quite protective over him. Because all of the young dudes is fanfic, I can't imagine any element of it would actually be included in a TV show or a future movie. I imagine it would be legally tricky. But I think that would be a shame, as there are some really good scenes that I'd love to see adapted. There's a fun scene in Chapter 7 where Remus puts four toppings on his toast. Marmalade, jam, butter and lemon curd. It shows him enjoying his new life at Hogwarts and trying everything after having so few choices while growing up. It also comes back later in the book when Sirius gets Remus a birthday cake with four flavours. It's cute and could be a cute addition to the show. There's a nice part where Sirius helps Remus read because it turns out he hasn't really been taught to read whilst at St Edmund's. Or maybe he's dyslexic, we're unsure. Anyway, Sirius gives Remus a spell to help him read, Lenticular Magna. I think that's sweet, that would be a lovely part of a show. The Marauders are described as being pranksters in the actual books, and this is expanded on in this fanfic. There's an interesting prank where they do a kind of word swap spell to stop people calling people mudbloods. And they pull a prank where they change the time on the main clock, which controls all of the other clocks or something, and it completely messes things up and Dumbledore has to come in and fix everything. It would be fun to see this unfold. We'd also obviously get the origins of the Marauder's Map, 
we find out that Rima starts the map because he just wants to note down every corridor and room of his new home, Hogwarts, because his earlier life was mostly spent in a crappy small room at St Edmund's School. In doing so, he discovers more of the secret passageways. Him starting the map is the reason why he, Mooney, is listed first on the front. It was his idea. There's also a terror attack of sorts that occurs in Diagon Alley. That would be really interesting to explore. We got flashes of that sort of thing in the movies, and I always found those Death Eater attacks, like the exploding shops in Diagon Alley and the destruction of the Millennium Bridge in London, really interesting. These attacks are inherently terrifying and can help to show the danger in this world. And we start to see relationships become strained because of this, including Rima suspecting Sirius of helping Voldemort and James and Lily having problems by the end. Finally, one really good moment in this fanfic is the Cornwall summer vacation. It's just a really nice, normal, teenager moment. Remus comes out to the group and everyone just has a nice, happy moment before the war picks up. I think that would be lovely to see. In all the young dudes, we also get some characters that I think would be interesting to explore. We have Mary MacDonald, who I think is briefly mentioned in the Order of the Phoenix movie, and the Deathly Hollows book. She's muggle-born, extroverted, self-confident, I think she's also the only one who survives. Marlene McKinnon is mentioned in the Order of the Phoenix as being a member of the Order. She becomes a talented healer. She, along with her whole family, is killed one night by Voldemort. We're not at the casting section yet, but I think Sadie Sink could be a great Marlene McKinnon. It would be great to get these two characters fleshed out a bit. The fans have really latched onto them, so it would be great to see them on screen. And finally, of course, we have Grant Chapman, an original character in All the Young Dudes. He's Remus's roommate and his first kiss. He's caring and he loves Remus, but knows he's not serious. Grant becomes an important part of Remus's life, and it would be great to see him cast in this, though, sadly, it is unlikely. <laughs> Now that we've gone over all the characters open to us and the potential plot lines, it's time for the fun bit. It's time to work out who we'll cast. As with every episode, I'm going to throw a lot of names at you. If you check the episode notes for this and every episode of Unproduced and Unadapted, there will always be a link to a full episode transcript, and there you'll find links to IMDb profiles and photos and the like for every actor, director, and every film and TV show I mention, so you can check them all out and see what you think of my suggestions. As you would expect, the internet as a whole has done some top-notch dream fan casting for the Marauders over the years, and I love it. There are some casting suggestions out there that would be excellent. Well, they would have been excellent about 10 years ago, or maybe 20 years ago given people started doing this after The Prisoner of Azkaban came out in 2004. Most of the internet seems to want Andrew Garfield as Remus Lupin, Sirius Black, played by Ben Barnes, Aaron Taylor-Johnson as James Potter, and Dane DeHaan as Peter Pettigrew. But now those actors are just too old to play the Marauders at school. We could cast these older actors and show the Marauders after Hogwarts, and during the First Wizarding War and the early days of the Order of the Phoenix, and jump back and forth in time. I think that would be fun but I'm pretty sure none of those actors would take on these roles. Well, maybe, maybe not. I think the focus for us should be on a younger set of actors. The problem here is that casting child actors is always tricky. There aren't many I'd suggest. There are a few standout young actors. I'm thinking the whole Stranger Things cast, for example. Casting kids is always tricky. TV and movies have always cast 20-somethings to play teens, even 30-somethings in some cases. Stockard Channing was 33 when she played Rizzo in Greece. Ben McKenzie was 25 when he played Ryan in the OC. And Harry Shum Jr., who got mentioned a lot in our previous episode on Hackers, was 33 when <laughs> the last season of Glee aired. 
So I'd be tempted to go that way and just hire a bunch of good, young-looking actors and have them, you know, act as teens. But that doesn't work if we want to start fairly young. Start when the group first get to Hogwarts, when they're 11 and they meet each other. But do we want that? Do we need to see them when they first arrive and get sorted and have their first classes? We've seen all that in the Harry Potter movies. So we could skip that and jump right into when the group is a few years into school. Like what they did with the Gossip Girl reboot. Maybe they're 15, 16. That leaves us three school years to explore and allows us to cast more established young actors. So who would I cast as the Marauders? This is a massive gobout, but I honestly expect any show like this to be almost exclusively cast with young, up-and-coming and fairly unknown actors, likely supported by older, well-known actors, kind of like the original Harry Potter movies. Most of the kids were new to acting. I suspect that is the way they'll go. Think about shows like Stranger Things. Yeah, we all know Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolfhard now, but they were both fairly unknown beforehand. Having said that, if I was casting this show right now, and we were going to get production up and running straight away before all of these actors grow up too much, these are the people I'd cast. First, Sirius Black. I'm thinking he might be our main character. Obviously, it would be Remus if we were adapting all of the young dudes, but like I said, I can't see that happening. As much as I'd love it. So, I think we'll end up focusing on Sirius for this Marauder's spin-off. I think it would be good to not be Potter-focused. I think James should just be a supporting character. So Sirius is described as being fun, lively, reckless, brave. He develops his moral compass while at Hogwarts and finds his real family in the Marauders. Noah Duke from A Quiet Place could be a great choice. He's excellent in those movies. But I'm thinking maybe Louis Partridge from Enola Holmes and Pistol, where he played Sid Vicious and looked crazy. He has quite a striking look, and I think he could pull off the pure blood rich boy look, but have him grow out his hair a bit and he definitely look like a young Sirius. And his portrayal of Sid Vicious shows he can do some crazy when needed. For Remus Lupin, Jaden Martell from It and Defending Jacob could work, but I think I like Callum Boothford from Peaky Blinders and Butterfly. His performance in Butterfly was incredible. He could definitely handle the struggles that Remus goes through being a werewolf and his being a thoughtful character. For James Potter, Graham Vacher from The Good Doctor and Supergirl could be a good option, but my suggestion is Ty Tennant from the Tolkien movie with Nicholas Holt. I think he could pull off that boastful, smart, kind of arrogant James that ages into being a more understanding character. I struggled with casting Peter Pettigrew. I ended up stealing a suggestion from someone online and went with Louis Ashbourne Circus. He's Andy Circus's kid. He's smaller, he's younger, and I think he could pull off the impressionable kid who just wants to please the others. Thomasin McKenzie from Last Night in Soho was my first thought for Lily Evans, later Potter, but I think she's too old now, or would be by the time this got into production anyway. That's a shame because she's excellent and I think really fits the character. Lily is described as kind, smart and capable. She's basically Hermione, but more confident. Sadie Sink from Stranger Things would be good. She kind of looks right. I think I want someone a smidge younger for Lily. Dixie Egerick from The Essex Serpent and The Secret Garden I think would be great casting. Or maybe Eva Anderson, who played a young Natasha in Black Widow. Either of them could definitely play Lily. Now we have a tricky one. Severus Snape. A lot of the internet wants Finn Wolfhard for Severus. I get that. I think that would be fun. He's definitely got the hair and the thin, angular features. If they cast him, I would not complain. Keir Gilchrist has been suggested places too, and I see that. But I think he's too old. Lewis McDougall could be good 
he's from his dark materials and a monster calls. He's not exactly got the Severus look, like Finn Wolfhard. But I do think he could pull off the role and with longer hair, I think he'd look right. This character is so important. He needs to be gentle, intelligent, quiet, a loner. He's bullied, he's dark, he's moody. I think Lewis McDougall could pull that off. We could also have Alice and Frank Longbottom in our show. Frank is described as being curious and intelligent, but anxious. For me, Asa Butterfield would be great. He may be too old, though. Frank is older than the others, and Asa is a young-looking 25, so maybe it would work. Given what happens to Frank and Alice, they're tortured to madness and then spend the rest of their lives locked in an asylum, it would be interesting and quite tragic to see them on screen, meeting and getting together. We also have Gilderoy Lockhart. He's younger than the others and has a Colin Creedy feel about him. He's humorous but ambitious. It would be fun to see a younger version and see what turns him into this self-aggrandizing Lockhart that we know from the movies. For me, Roman Griffin Davis from Jojo Rabbit is my only suggestion for Lockhart. He'd be great in this role. One interesting thing of focusing on the Marauders era is that we get to see more of the Black family too. So let's start with Regulus Black, who is described as being smaller, quiet, a bit standoffish. He's the favoured son. He becomes a Death Eater, but then turns and tries to kill Voldemort. He could be a really important character that we cross over into other shows, perhaps a Voldemort Death Eaters focused one. More on that later. So Timothy Chalamet and his hair screams out to be cast as one of the Black family. And much of the internet is agreed on that. But honestly, he's too big a name to be in this now. It would be damn good if we could get him, but it's unlikely. Thomas Doherty from Legacies and Gossip Girl Remake could be good. He has the look of a Black family member. His face, his hair is just perfect for it. Though he may be too old and too tall. He's six foot tall, which doesn't scream small, and he's older than those I've suggested above, but you can work around that. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. If we really did want to go smaller than those we've cast in Marauders, Eden Hayhurst was suggested online somewhere. He's in The Secret Garden, with the aforementioned Dixie Egerich, as well as the Leonardo TV show. I'll be honest, I've not seen much of him, but from the clips I have seen, I think he could work as a regular black. Bellatrix Black, later Lestrange, is a tricky one to cast. She's older than the main Marauders, she's unpredictable, she's fully dark and a complete supporter of Voldemort. We need to see glimpses of crazy, but Azkaban is the real turning point that makes her the crazy character played excellently by Helena Bonham Carter. My first thought, and kind of only thought, was Maisie Williams. Her roles in Pistol and the New Mutants were kind of crazy. I think she could pull this off. Physically, she may be too small for the character. But I think we could work around that, and Maisie Williams is a fantastic actress. Andromeda Black is the softer, kinder Black sister. Like Sirius, she's a bit of a Black sheep of the Black family. She ends up being the mother of Tonks, which I didn't know. So we need someone very different to Bellatrix and Narcissa. Ella Hunt from Dickinson I think would be great. She has the poise of a black family member, but a softer face. Narcissa Black, later Malfoy, is the baby of the Black Sisters. She's torn between Bellatrix and Andromeda. She's confident and stoic. Hmm, maybe we switch things up a bit here. Maybe Eva Anderson, who I suggested as Lily, could be our young Narcissa. Another option could be Saoirse Groundsell. She's been in The Innocence and Crime, a gritty Scottish drama from the writer of Trainspotting. She may be a bit too young, though. I'll be honest, I'm a bit stuck on the Black Sisters. If you have any suggestions, let me know. And finally, we have Lucius Malfoy, Draco's father. He's five years older than the others. He's certain of his way, arrogant, rich. He keeps others, usually non-pure bloods, in line. One option I thought of was Harry Lloyd. He played Viserys Targaryen. 
Danny's brother in Game of Thrones, and he's been in a whole host of excellent shows like Wolf Hole, Marcella, and Arcane. It's mostly the hair he had in Game of Thrones that got me here. He's also got a really slender physique and the face that just kind of works for Lucius Malfoy. He's probably too old though, he's nearly 40. He doesn't look it, and makeup can help de age him a bit, but I just don't think he'd work. Joe Alwyn from The Favourite and Boy Erased and Conversations with Friends could work. He's a great actor and has a kind of aloofishness about him. He's a bit bigger, a bit broader than what I picture for Lucius Malfoy, though. That could be fixed with costume design and the like, though, so for now, Joe Alwyn is my bet for Lucius Malfoy. One thing the Harry Potter movies did really well was cast loads of great British actors. Nearly everyone was in one, but there are a few who we could cast. This show is obviously focused on the kids, but we could have a few older actors to really class this joint up a bit. I'm thinking Luke Evans, maybe, as Rodolphus Lestrange, Pierce Brosnan as Cygnus Black, Tom Hardy as Fenrir Greyback, the werewolf that bites Remus. You could have Dommel Gleeson as a young Mad-Eye Moody, that would obviously be a bit fun, though I do like the idea of Cameron Monaghan as Mad-Eye. We could have John Boyega as a young Kingsley Shacklebolt. We could have Gillian Anderson as McGonagall, Nick Frost as Ruby as Hagrid, or maybe Andy Serkis. He's not as big as Nick Frost or Robbie Coltrane, but I think he could do some great performance capture work. We could have Simon Pegg as Filch. Getting Peg and Frost together is always good. And also, I want Colin Firth in there somewhere. I just don't know where. We'll have to find a role for him, though. J.K. Rowling would obviously be involved, but I don't think she'd write the episodes. She'd likely just get a based-on-the-characters-created-by credit. Steve Cloves has written the screenplays for every Harry Potter movie, plus The Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. He'd obviously be a good choices writer. It would be silly not to get him involved. Though he was working from the novels, so maybe creating new stories isn't his thing. Who knows? It would be a good starting point though. Steve Blackman is a great TV writer. He adapted The Umbrella Academy for TV, which I loved. And he wrote episodes of and produced on Legion, Altered Carbon, Fargo, and a bunch of other network shows. Those shows are a bit of a mix, but what they all have in common is great writing and excellent character development, which is definitely what we want in this Marauders show. And this is a bit of a long shot, but John Logan would be a good get. He was the writer on Penny Dreadful, which is a great fantasy drama horror show which is a bit more adult than what I'm thinking for the Marauder show, but it would be interesting. Logan is probably most famous for writing Alien Covenant, Spectre, and Skyfall, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, The Aviator, Gladiator, and Any Given Sunday. Told you it was a long shot. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I think I want to keep Logan for something else. Something darker. I'll come to that later. On the directing side, David Yates is the obvious choice. He directed the last four Harry Potter movies and all three Fantastic Beast movies. The guy is fully steeped in wizarding lore and keeping him would help keep the feel that we're after. We want this to appeal to new audiences, but it has to appeal to the established audience too. So, despite my efforts to separate it from the Harry Potter movies, it is a Harry Potter adjacent story so it needs to fit within that world and needs to feel like a Harry Potter TV show. A lot of that will come from production design and the visuals and of course the music, but having Yates involved will really help. I suspect he may want to produce rather than direct though, as he's been locked in this world since about 2005. Maybe he could direct the first episode or two to really set the tone. Getting a big name director to do the first episode is a bit of a thing now. I'm thinking of when Scorsese directed the pilot of Boardwalk Empire, 
or David Fincher and Mindhunter, which I absolutely loved. And I really hope we get a third season. Or Steven Soderbergh and The Nick, starring Clive Owen and the excellent Andre Holland. And Guillermo del Toro, who directed the first episode of The Strain, which was a great show based on an excellent book he co-wrote. So if David Yates decided to take a break from the Wizarding World, or only direct the first episode, who else could we get to direct? David Nutter is something of a TV kingmaker. He's pretty famous for directing pilots and those shows being picked up. He has directed episodes of some of the greatest TV shows and some of my favourite shows. Game of Thrones, Homeland, The Pacific, Band of Brothers, The West Wing, The X-Files and Supernatural. Possibly my wife's favourite show. It's never a bad idea to get Nutter involved. Rob Seidenglanz could be an option. He's directed episodes of some popular fantasy teen-focused shows like Riverdale and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Jamie Childs could be a good choice. He directed episodes of The Sandman, His Dark Materials, so there's already a HBO link there, and Doctor Who and the new Willow TV show on Disney. Another great option, and another Sandman alumni, is Maritzi Almas, She's directed episodes of some pretty big shows that focus on young characters, such as Lock and Key, Paper Girls, Shadow and Bone, Jessica Jones, The 100, Beauty and the Beast, and Smallville. And the reason she's on my radar is because she directed my favourite episode of The Sandman, The Sound of Her Wings, which focuses on Morpheus and his big sister, Death. It's a great episode. It's beautiful. Almas would be great. In fact, All of them would be great, and if our proposed show ran for three seasons, which is what I'm thinking, there'd be plenty of space for all of them, and more. In researching this episode, I discovered that there's actually quite a lot of people out there who do not want to know anything Marauders related. I get that. We do know these characters, and we know what happens to them, and at times the characters are quite unlikable. I still think there is a way to do a Marauders TV show and make it interesting and enjoyable, even with those issues though. But, having said that, the wizarding world is massive. There's a lot out there to explore, and stories to tell, and interesting characters I'd love to learn more about. So here's a really quick rundown of some extra ideas I've had. I may explore these in more detail in future episodes. We could have a Voldemort and the Death Eaters show. First, a Voldemort and Death Eaters show. We got to see a lot of Voldemort in the movies, but there's a lot more to explore. I'd like to see Voldemort a bit in our Marauders show, but only a bit. Voldemort interacted with lots of characters who we only just know about. The parents and grandparents of all the characters in the books and the movies. People like Wahlberg and Orion Black, Sirius's and Regulus's mother and father, and of course Dumbledore and Horace Slughorn. Voldemort was such a weird character, and there's lots to explore. He was a kleptomaniac, he was a prefect, he had a day job in Borgin and Burks, he could easily manipulate people, and his mother died, and he was a half-blood and very angry about both of those points. Also, he's described as being quite attractive, so I feel like we could have some really interesting teenage infatuation storylines. We could also see his slow rise to power. How did he get his first followers? How did they become the Death Eaters? When was he finally considered a threat by the Ministry? We could see his side of his resurrection. How did he react to his failed attempts to kill Harry? What was he doing in the background to infiltrate and take over the ministry? We could get quite a political, darker and more grown-up, and that's not to say that Harry Potter is not grown-up, but we could get a much darker grown-up story here. This is the show that I think John Logan would be great for. Penny Dreadful was really dark, and I think that mood, that vibe, would be great for a Voldemort show. Another option, and something where there's a lot of interest, is a Hogwarts Founders movie or TV show. It would be a totally different time, with the founding of the school being put at around 990 AD. 
What was magic like a thousand years ago? How did they create spells? How did these four meet? How did they come together and decide to make the school? The school is said to be built on the site of where they found the pensive. So what were they doing in the Scottish Highlands together? And what made them think, yeah, we just found this old stone sink thing. Let's build a school on top of it. That's a big leap from point A to point B. And I want to know more. I also want to know why they built such a bonkers school with moving staircases fake doors and talking paintings and the like. We could have some really interesting storylines about Salazar Slytherin's pure blood purity obsession, the falling out between him and Godric Gryffindor, who were kind of besties at one point, and we could learn more about Helga Hufflepuff and Rowena Ravenclaw, who kind of get ignored a bit. Also, did they each build a secret chamber like Salazar Slytherin did with the Chamber of Secrets? Probably. Hogwarts is awash with secret rooms and passageways and the like. Is Dumbledore's office, Godric Gryffindor's, secret room? Is the room of requirement Rowena Ravenclaw's secret room? There's a lot to explore there. I think that would be a great fun addition to our wizarding world. Talking about schools, what about a globe-trotting TV show full of new characters from all the schools in the wizarding world? Looking up the schools, we could spend time in each location and then have exchange students visit other schools, have the Tri-Wizard Tournament. It would be great fun to visit different wizarding cultures around the world. From the movies most people know about Ilvermorny in Massachusetts, Beaubaton in the French Pyrenees, and Durmstrung, somewhere in either Norway or Sweden. But there's also Castellabruxu in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. There's Mahutakoro on the volcanic Japanese island of Minami Iwajima. There's Ugadao, located atop the mountains of the moon in western Uganda. And there's Cold Ovsteretz, the Russian wizarding school. And finally, Wada, or the Wizarding Academy of Dramatic Arts. I think there's a lot of scope there for a kind of glee style school show. I think that would be great fun. I'd also really like to see a wizarding show that is squarely aimed at adults. For me, the best way to explore a more grown-up wizard world is to follow a bunch of wizarding grown-ups doing dangerous work, capturing, killing dark wizards and dealing with the stresses that that causes in their daily lives. I kind of want a family drama. I want stressed relationships and affairs. I want auras who are on the take for Death Eaters. I basically want a really gritty police drama. It's never going to happen, but I would love a gritty Auras of the Ministry of Magic TV show. And finally, and this is a bit of a cop-out because I don't think it should happen for another 10 years or so, I want a movie adaptation of The Cursed Child. Though we should actually wait longer and try to get the original cast back. Again, we might talk about this in the future. Okay, I think that's it. I think we have a solid plan there for a Marauders spin-off TV show on HBO with a fantastic cast and crew. It's a familiar story with characters fans know and love, yet it's far enough away from the original books and films to be interesting in you. Chances are it will not feature any of the plot lines from all the young dudes, but you never know. We also pitched a few extra ideas that I think would be great ways to expand this universe, and I think I'll try and take them forward in some future episodes. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Unproduced and Unadapted, and that it's got you thinking about all of those potential sequels, prequels, spin-offs and adaptations. Our next episode will focus on the Rivers of London book series by Ben Aranovich. I absolutely adore this urban fantasy series. It follows police officer Peter Grant as he navigates a London full of wizards, vampires, the personifications of rivers, and talking foxes. A TV adaptation is apparently in the works, so I want to get in there early with my own thoughts on casting and directing and the like, and maybe, who knows, influence a few things. And after that, I have quite a few episodes lined up, so hit subscribe and join me for future episodes on Cabin in the Woods, Hunger Games, Jurassic Park, Tremors, 
the fifth element, Underworld, Speed and the Little Mermaid. We'll have Halloween specials, Christmas specials, comic book specials and many, many more. There'll be something there for everyone. In fact, there'll be a teaser for upcoming episodes on Twitter soon, so look out for that. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, send them my way on Twitter at unproducedunadapted or email me at unproducedunadapted at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.